We believe running is freedom and empowerment. We believe running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people run, the world will be a better place. We believe in running because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Running Company Run ATL Podcast with your host, Mike Cosentino. Greetings, everyone. My name is Mike Cosentino, and this is indeed the Run ATL Podcast once again. And for your good fortune and listening pleasure, I can tell you I'm not alone. Dave Martinez, my good friend and yours, D2, has joined us. Welcome to you again, my friend. Hello, and good to be here. Hello to all of our listeners as well. And uh, one of the things that I do want to kind of uh, you know say is to thank all of our listeners that have uh, downloaded our podcast uh, and tune in every two weeks. Um, you know, our numbers are growing, and if you find that you know, material that we uh, have on our, on our podcast is inspiring, motivating, um, you know, to share with others. Um, I think, you know, we've had some great uh, guests on our uh, podcast and uh, I, I don't think we should keep it to ourselves. So please subscribe uh, through iTunes, share it on Facebook or whatever else, you know, other social media channels that you may have. And as always, if you have comments or suggestions, uh, for the podcast, then please email us uh, at podcast at bigpeachrunningcode.com. Well, great reminders, and, and I want to double down on the thank you for what you just said, D2, and that is the increasing listenership that we're seeing. You and I are having a good time with this. I believe our guests have valuable content to contribute. I believe they have a good time as well, knowing the listeners and the quality of lives that our listeners lead and how they can kind of speak into that and perhaps even learn from each and every episode. Certainly that theme continues today. Our featured conversation with Mark Hodelik, he has been part of the Active Lifestyle event for quite some time. The events that he has incepted and created and produced a little different than what some people might be signed up for later this year or perhaps even doing this weekend, but we will learn a lot from him. I will believe, I believe we will be inspired by him and just his mindset and his way of thinking about, well, what is a good way to get the most out of life? How can I get better tomorrow than what I even was today? It's going to be a very, very cool conversation. We're going to bring it to you unedited and certainly we'll make sure the show notes back up the types of activities that he has been involved with. So do not go anywhere after this break. We will be back with our featured conversation in just a moment. You've got the right shoe for you, but maybe you're still getting blisters and your feet aren't too happy. The source of your discomfort may be the socks you're wearing. Cotton is rotten. You need socks made from synthetic materials that wick away the moisture that can lead to blisters. Big Peach Running Company carries a variety of styles and brands, including Features, Balega, Swiftwick, and Njinji. Every sock is buy three, get one free. Mix and match brands and styles? It doesn't matter. You'll save 25% when you pick up four pairs of socks. Keep your feet happy and stock up on socks at Big Peach Running Company. Welcome back to the Run ATL Podcast. Before we went to our break, we said we were going to have some fun all together when we got back, D2. That is the plan. I would guarantee it at this point. Mark Hodelik is in studio with us. We are going to have a conversation that is not only enlightening, I believe, but very, very entertaining. In fact, Mark and, and really everyone, especially for some of our newer listeners, 
When Dave and I first incepted this podcast, we said very, very clearly that we had some intentions that we had to make good on to keep this going. We were going to, and you remember this, Dave, we were going to inspire people as we did this. We were certainly going to provide information. We were also going to give them a license that they felt empowered, whether it was telling themselves that or their friends and family. And then, of course, we were going to encourage them along the way. And I think this is going to touch on all of those because we talk so often about events. We reference events so often as we go through this. This is not about, well, how many neighborhood 5Ks did you do? Or are you training for an Ironman or a full marathon right now? This is about having fun, getting the most out of a pedestrian active lifestyle. And Mark, from what I have learned about you, you not only do that for yourself and have kind of made a history of doing that, you help others do the same through your expertise and through the events that you have put together that you've worked on and that you're working on right now. So as a brief introduction, you and I kind of came to know each other as you were winding down one series of events and as you were kind of kicking off another. And there are a lot of people we've had the good fortune of having on our podcast that I kind of dragged out of a long past or history that I have in this lifestyle. There are others, quite frankly, that I've gotten to know literally while we're on the air. You're a bit of an anomaly. I feel like we've kind of struck up a fast friendship, <laughs> sure. but yet I sure. haven't known you, but for perhaps six months and you just fascinate me every time we talk and now we're going to do it in front of Dave and many, many others. Are you ready for this conversation? I'm ready. I, I don't know my, if my wife finds me as fascinating, but I'm, I'm glad some others do. <laughs> well, and it's probably worth noting in that case that we're doing this taping. D2 and I are here with Mark on Valentine's Day. Of course, this won't get released until next month. But I, I'm glad that you said that sure. because we're sharing this special moment very on a special. very special day. So let's let's start talking about who you are. Give us a little bit of background. I know your story. You're super performance oriented. You're highly mindful of the types of products you associate yourself with and that you put out for others. But give us a little bit of the Mark Hodelik backstory. Yeah, the, the very quick backstory is I grew up in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, played a lot of different sports growing up and, and found that, that I was good at the, the one sport that tends to be punishment in all other sports, which is running, and ran track in college uh, at Auburn University. That lasted for two years before some injuries, and the, the, the lifestyle of being a normal college uh, student lured me away from the track team. <laughs> and then well, uh, you were, you know, all academic SEC. I know that from your bio and sure. conversations. So you're being very humble. You did a great job of apparently being on both sides of the fence, having fun while you were at Auburn and at the same time very much making contributions to your TNF team. Yeah, no, thank you. I mean, look, I was a miler. Uh, we were really great at sprinting and mid-distance events. I was good enough at, at getting the grades that required for me to be all academic and uh, graduate with honors, but that's the bar that I set for myself. So if I'm being very hard on myself, it was I did the minimum to get to that level, but it was the best in time management because it allowed me to do a lot of other things. And that led to a career in New York City, uh, I've always been a hustler and had its side projects, and that led to fundraising events and getting into the events world. And, and running has always been something that's been a, a part of the way that I stayed in shape, but now much more so has just been something that I've really started to, to find a vigor and love for again. 
Well, it's funny because for this podcast, for sure, you mentioned two things that are so central to what we do. And one, performance is not just about getting the most out of our athletic abilities or what we might call our fitness routine. It goes way beyond that. D2 and I have shared some personal insights from what things are like at the workplace and Big Peach Running Company or our own lives, trying to balance other hobbies we have or being a father or being a husband. And certainly you understand that it goes well beyond just your athletic pursuits. Secondly, you mentioned rightfully so that you like to have fun and be sure that you kind of take everything seriously, but not so seriously in certain parts where you can't also look back and say, that was a really good time. That's something I'm glad that I did, not just because of the end result, but because of the journey that was part of getting to where I am now. Without a doubt, I think recently I've started to just focus on being much more present about what's going on in family, business, personal and then fitness, if you looked at it in those kind of buckets. And certainly as it relates to fitness, too many times in my life, there was just an end goal and didn't really enjoy the journey. And this almost becoming an endurance athlete in some sense in the last year, year and a half, doing an Ironman, now having done my first 50K, training for a 100 mile trail run, you, you really start to enjoy the process and the people you surround yourself with during training. And it's almost the process of training that was the most enjoyable part of doing an Ironman and now doing trail running. It's people you surround yourself with during those long training runs. Well, and you mentioned that you moved to New York after you graduated. And this kind of gives us a great jumping off point for your event background. And I think it'll set everyone up really nicely to learn more about the types of events that seem to rattle around in your mind and how they're different. And so while you were in New York, you did something that was termed the Wall Street Decathlon. We'll put a link to information. There was a lot that was written about it because it was so unique and so successful. But before they get the chance to read that, they should hear you. And I'd love for everybody to get an overview of not just what the Wall Street Decathlon meant, but quite frankly, where it came from in your own mind and what you did to help put it together. I think many stories and businesses have started this way. It started in a bar <laughs> and it was, a, it was a bet amongst friends. It's not just friends. a punchline. That's right. It's not just a punchline. You know, we're laughing here, but it was serious back then. It was a, a group of us that were all college athletes uh, from different sports having an argument about who would be the best athlete if we had to settle it in some NFL combine style event. And so went home with a buddy of mine who also ran track at Auburn and, and took my little IBM ThinkPad and wrote some macros and came up with scoring table and said, here would be 10 events that would equalize us all. So we'll do a 400 meter and 800 meter. We'll do max amount of bench press reps at 175 pounds, max amount of dead hang pull-ups, how far you can throw a football, you know, all the max amount of dips you can do, a whole host of events, uh, measuring strength, strength, speed, agility, and endurance and create our own scoring tables and we'll go out and settle it. And so a week later, we went out and settled it. Uh, I was not the best athlete, clearly. Um, and, and you know, realized we had something. It was a great way to spend time to really challenge yourself. And I think it was a great way too, that it's something I realized pretty early on, putting yourself in a position where you didn't know what the outcome was going to be. To go through a day like that and do everything to failure at max effort is really, really hard. Although each event, no event really takes longer than two minutes. They're max effort events and they're really tired, tiring from a full body perspective. And then fast forward a few years later, realize all the people who were doing the event were on Wall Street. So our hook was we were going to crown Wall Street's best athlete. And then we started having all American football players come out, former NFL football players come out, come and do world record kind of performances. I mean, we had world-class athletes doing the event at that point. 
And it was wonderful because we took a fundraising angle to it. And so while it was a for-profit company, we benefited Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. And we're raising anywhere between $1.5 and $2 million a year with only 150 athletes. So those numbers are really big from a fundraising perspective when you're thinking about each person on average was raising between ten dollars and $12,000 a person to compete in the event. And there was a nice business angle to it too because we were a high-priced event. We catered and we were very high-touch. It was a very personalized event as if you were competing, you know, in the Olympic Games or in the NCAA championships. We wanted that type of feel to it. Uh, and you're able to do that when you have a small kind of niche event. Well, and, and I love the idea of a decathlon. You obviously were not held by conventional or Olympic standards that it had to be these 10 events. And I think for a lot of us, we need to figure out how to inject some fun and some competitiveness with those who we just want to be around. My guess is you and your buddies created memories, not just spurred each other to take your fitness routine a little bit more seriously, but you created some memories about, my goodness, I thought I would do better here and didn't. I ended up finishing further behind or further down the list than I thought I would. And there were probably other instances where if nobody else, you so impressed yourself because you thought this is going to be my week event. I just have to kind of cut my losses here. And you're like, that wasn't so bad. And now I'm in a pretty good spot right. because it's a decathlon and I didn't give up nearly as much ground as I thought I would in this particular activity. Sure. Look, it's great to put yourself in a position where, like I said before, you don't know what the outcome is going to be. And it's funny for people to say, oh, Mark, you ran track in college. You must be fast. I've never been timed in a 40. Well, a 40 yard dash was part of this event. <laughs> like a 5.01 or 5.08 40. And you, then you're able to put that in context and say there are NFL linemen that do a 4.6 or 4.740 and seen an unbelievably fit Wall Street trader with 4% body fat who was like an all-American lacrosse player running a 4.640. And then comparing that and saying, well, now I actually have a reference point for understanding how fast and how great those NFL athletes are. The same thing with bench press and things like that, which are not the forte of most college runners. And it's, it's putting yourself in a position where you have to train up for something and get a standard and at the same time have a lot of fun with it. We would, we would challenge ourselves sometimes to go out. You know, this was a weekend event. It happened one weekend a year, but throughout the year to do the entire 10 events in 20 minute time frame. And how many points could you score within 20 minutes? Right. So it's always being competitive and having fun. Um, there were times when maybe there was some beer involved and things like that. And that, that's always just a way to keep it fun. Um, and lucky we were in our twenties too. So we, we probably made some more mistakes back then, but it was a great way to challenge yourself and try something new. Well, and, and I don't know if, if others, when they, heard that overview, thought the same way that I did, but whether it's in your office, whether it's even in your own family, what you and your friends did was you created an event for yourselves to spend that time together and improve yourselves while spending that time with one another. And I think, my goodness, if the Cosentino family had a decathlon, I bet we would do a few things that I wouldn't normally do with my daughter, but I know if we're going to have 10 different events, I got to put some of my daughter's strengths on that list or she won't do it. On the flip side, she won't say no because those things are in there. And now the two things that I really want, not because I can be better at it than my daughter, but because I would love to see her climb that mountain with me or I would love to see her, you know, run or travel this distance with me. It's on there. Now she's got no choice. Same with my other family members. D2, just think about the Big Peach Decathlon. We do our leadership team activities. And there are things that you're going to just absolutely kick everybody else's tail. But there are also some things I bet you would walk into pretty humble knowing I'm going to take my lumps here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to just go off script for a second here and say, if you were going to do the Big Peach Decathlon, what is the activity that you would want the most and fear the most? Oh, I mean, Athletically I, speaking. Athletically speaking, I'd say, oh, I mean, I think 
you know, an endurance event, you know, because I think I perform better. I'm not fast, but I can definitely go longer in, in distance. I don't know if that would be something that yep. it could, you could be There were no rules, right? I mean, you guys yeah. made the rules up we, yourself. We made up, we made up the 10 events. They didn't pass anybody's sniff test but ours. It was, it yeah. was, yeah. There wasn't an, an international Olympic committee no, that you had no. to submit to. So an endurance yeah. event works. That's in your favor. Yeah. So what would one of our team members say, this needs to be on there that you'd be like, oh, I just have to endure this. Well, I think if it was like, you know, like a 40-yard, you know, dash or something like that or something short, short distance fast, you know, that I'd be, oh, that's 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 going to hurt and that I'm not even going to be anywhere near sure. the front of the pass. So you, I think you've already inspired. The Big Peach Running Company's leadership team will need to do a decathlon sometime <laughs> in the near future, similar to the way that you guys did. But what's even more inspirational, you've raised real money sure. for Sloan Kettering. Without a doubt. I mean, we raised... During the time that I was there, and I had my stake bought out a few years ago, but by the time that I was there in five years, we raised over seven and a half, eight million dollars, and that went a hundred percent to Sloan Kettering. That wasn't covering event costs; that was their take home from the event. So, significant dollars raised for a really underfunded area of cancer research. And you think about being able to take an idea and be entrepreneurial with it, but then live out one of your professional passions, which is being around events and creating genuine memorable experiences and then have that at the end to be able to say, wow, does it get any better when we know we're doing really good and doing really good for others? So go ahead. You were going to say, no, I was going to say, look, it's, I don't know that I thought about it that way at the time. And that's one of the most important things is to, to kind of celebrate your wins as you have them, but also check the box and move on to the next thing too. So not to settle. Uh, one of the terms that I like a lot right now is being unsettled. I want to be unsettled, but I also want to make sure that along the way I'm celebrating my wins. And back then I didn't celebrate the wins. It was, well, last year we raised one, two, this year we raised one, five, next year we need to raise two. There was never the period in time where we sat down and popped a bottle of champagne and said, we kicked ass this year. Look, all the money we raised, we put on a phenomenal event. We were always focused on how we could make it better and grow it. And I think that's important. But in looking back, you know, that was five years ago, four or five years ago, we should have paused some and celebrated the win a little bit before then going and improving and then raising more money the next year too. So, and that's a great reminder for, for all of us in so many different aspects of our life is taking that time to celebrate the victories. And sometimes it's the big win. Sometimes it's just the battles that we overcome and being able to take a deep breath. And we've had other featured conversations, D2, where that's come up as well, where they just say, you know, what was really cool was this milestone and then be able to take a deep breath and say, I did it or celebrate it with a special person in my life. When you and I met, you were working in a different, and yet at the same time, and this is the way it's going to work, and, and people who know Dave and I, we also believe, and one of our core values at Big Peach Running Company is we take fun seriously. And yes, that does include on occasion an event that is not traditional. That may be getting together in places people wouldn't necessarily expect that make for a great meeting for us, but maybe not for others. And you said, well, we might have had a couple of beers along the way, or there might have been a beer or two that was involved. Beer fit. Sure. Two terms, beer and fit, not natural pairings. And yet you determined they could come together in a way that was special and would be very memorable and would have talk value. Tell us about beer fit. Yeah, so I'm laughing right now because it, it, it brings back some some great memories and some painful memories. Um, but you know, Beer Fit was was a great time of my life where it was it was taking a step away from what I'd built with the decathlon and taking a risk 
and taking a chance on an idea that I'd had, which was not new, which was just that every year in college, people would ask me what my mile time was. And I was almost ashamed that we had low four minute milers and I was like a 415 guy. And I was like, well, in the SEC, I wasn't that competitive, but I was like, damn good at the beer mile. And a lot of people, four or five, especially 15, 20 years ago, had no idea what a beer mile was, which the, the simple concept is you drink a beer and run a lap and you do four of those in a row. And as long as the beer is 5% alcohol and you don't throw it up and you finish, you're an official beer miler. We did that at the end of every track season as a track team. And I was a low six minute beer miler. And if I could just drink the beer a little bit faster, I could have easily broken six. Uh, I'm proud to say that just two years ago, I ran a 617 beer miler. So I'm still a good beer miler. But my thought was people... So let that sink sure. in. And yeah. D2 for you as well. So I might be able to run a six-minute mile. Not a guarantee. I haven't tried it. I haven't gone to the track recently. But that includes four beers with not moving while the beer is being consumed, right? You have to be You have a 10-yard transition zone okay. Okay. where you can you can hold the beer and walk with it almost the heaviest transition zone on a track where you can receive a baton and a relay. You have that same transition zone where you can walk and drink the beer up until from 10 yards before the 400-meter start line to the start line. Did we not say that we were going to inform people? Where else can you find content? <laughs> That's right. The this official is... regulation That's right. is indicated so clearly that there is a 10-yard transition zone as it For is consuming alcohol in an official run. beer mile. Okay, Correct. so you are, even to this day, 617 in the beer mile. At that time, maybe what you would call the pinnacle of your beer mile days, you were barely over six minutes. Correct. So then this natural gift that you've given yourself of being able to consume and track. My parents wouldn't call it a gift. I don't know that they're, <laughs> it was they're finally that proud. Tuned. Right. Yeah. Uh, lots of practice, lots of practice. <laughs> but you know, whenever I talk, I'd, I'd see people's reaction and they were much more interested in talking about a beer mile and thinking about how that fast they could do it. And I thought, well, geez, I wonder if this could be done at scale. And immediately you start thinking of, I like the business challenge. So it was, well, you can't put people on a track because most tracks are at high schools or grade schools or colleges where they don't allow alcohol. You can't fit a lot of people on a track. The, it'd be hard to keep track of people as they're running numerous laps. So we need a one mile oval. Where can you do that? And started thinking, and I love craft beer. And I, and I had a, a thought for a while. I love zero sum fitness, what is what I called it. I like to run and work out enough to where I could eat and drink when I wanted and fit in the same pair of jeans or wear the same size shirt. And I think a lot of other people view fitness the same way. Now, I'm, I'm up for taking it to the next level and doing really crazy long endurance events. But you see that there's a very fun aspect to fitness And that I thought, well, if we can get people who want to celebrate with a beer at the end, which isn't new. Trail runners have been doing it for decades. And people at home will celebrate with pizza and beer after a long run or a marathon. But it would say, is there an event format that makes sense around this? And so that's what we did. We, we did 17 events over two years across the nation for an average of around 3,000 people per event. And it started off small with Monday Night Brewing here in Atlanta on Trabert Avenue, Trabert Street. And it was actually called the Monday Night Mile because we did it on a Monday night at their brewery. And it was just simply running up the street a quarter mile and drinking a beer and running back down the street. And if anyone knows Trabert, that's not an easy hill to run. Oh, yeah. And it's not easier any easier during the summer while you're consuming their IPA. Right. So you learned a lot of lessons along the way, but um, that's what we did. And, and it was great trying to figure out the problem of, OK, now three people have signed up for an event. And how do we give them all a cold beer and have no one wait in line and have it be done right? And so, you know, you're, you're bringing something that used to be a niche event to the masses. And we kind of hit it at the right time and the wrong time. We hit it at the right time because we produced our first two events when no one else was ever thinking about doing beer miles for the masses other than obscure running clubs and things that did as a celebratory thing at the end of the year as a company party or something. No one was selling tickets for them. 
And you had James Nielsen go out and break five minutes and ESPN covered it. And suddenly people were searching for beer miles and where can I do one? And lo and behold, we're the only people that are doing it. Year two was very interesting where I caught it at the wrong time is that I think the experiential market of everyone who had done a color run, who had gotten in and had every single thing thrown at them, whether it be colored cornstarch or glitter or neon glow sticks or foam or mud, we were beer. And we were kind of on the, the tail end of a curve around people who'd kind of gotten into running on the periphery and were willing to try things, but now we're moving on to real events. And our event was kind of fun. So it was it was a roller coaster ride of a boom year of we didn't have to do anything to sell tickets to then realizing, well, we had to do a lot of work and spend a lot more money to sell tickets. So you kind of saw both life cycles of a business very quickly in like an 18-month period. Well, and as you look at at your time at BeerFit and you think about those people and whether it is on Trayward Avenue or whether it was in a different market altogether, what are some of the comments that you hear from those participants? And then think about the comments you hear about the Wall Street Decathlon. Are they largely similar? Are they, they're, the both events are ideas you almost have in a bar or in your living room or just in your own mind. You, unlike so many, unfortunately, so many people have had ideas, this would be a great event. But how many people have said this would be a great event and created them soup to nuts. And whether it was a massive success or only a few people turned out, they could say, I had this idea. This would be fun to me. I think it'd be cool to a few friends of mine. I'm going to do it. You've done it already multiple times. So tell me about the difference in the comments or the perception when you think about what a great dichotomy Wall Street decathlon and beer fit is. Well, you kind of stole my answer, right? And and, and the answer, that's your smart guy, uh, was it was taking an idea in your head and, and, in taking the risk to actually put it out there and see if people would buy the ticket or not. And, and I think what we found was the comments from the decathlon were the amazing feeling you had from being part of something that was bigger than yourself. So being part of something that was raising money for something that was underserved for taking on a new style of an event and basically taking your typical gym workout and making a contest out of it, right? And this was pretty much even before CrossFit. This was, we started the decathlon before the CrossFit games existed, which have since blown up. But that, that kind of put a competition style aspect around weightlifting that hadn't really existed before. This was a forum for that in the decathlon. So a lot of comments were around the fact that it got people to go and do something and try something they otherwise wouldn't have, which was great. And they were part of something that's bigger than themselves. With, with beer fit, we, we struck, uh, we, we try to strike a balance between two types of people. Those that were serious runners who significantly just really wanted to see what they could run a beer mile in and the event meant something to them. And those others that looked at it as a cheap ticket to drink four beers and drink a great craft beer afterwards. And so I think what was interesting around the comments there was uh, there was this internal fight in, in our heads of, do we want to be a legitimate event or do we want to be a party? And you want to have fun while you're doing an event, but what's where it's led me to where I'm at now is that I'd much rather produce something that's life-changing, experiential, that that is a life resume worthy making moment. And beer fit as fun as it was, and and I would encourage people, and if that's gonna be their entree into fitness, we'll go out and try one. Right. If that's what's gonna get you off the couch, I think it's a benefit. Absolutely. But it's not some life resume making moment. It's 
10 or 12 minutes of running around a track and pounding some beers. And that's not to diminish which we did because we brought it to 50,000 plus people across the nation. And those are numbers I'm proud of in a pretty quick period of time. But at the same time, it wasn't something where I would look back and say, I want my kids at the finish line. They were at the finish line of the decathlon, the finish line of my new event. You know, it wasn't an event where I wanted my kids there putting medals on people as they just got done drinking sure. four beers. So, you know, I mean, we're joking around about it, but, you know, I think, that's, I think that's something you have to be, that. you have to be introspective about that as well and say, is this how I want to spend my time? And is, is this making a fundamental impact on people's life? And not every business has to make an impact on people's lives. But I think within the experiential world, within running, within the endurance community, you have the ability to do that. And if you have ideas in your head, they're kind of percolating to give you the ability to do that. You need to chase those as well. What great guidance. And, and heck, we believe that so much. Obviously, Big Peach Running Company was just an idea at one point, And we believe we make a difference every day. And that's what's so satisfying. But as we talk on even the Run ATL podcast, it's not just about getting faster or even getting more fit. It truly is about getting more out of each and every day. And sometimes it's making good on this idea that you have and taking it to the next step and then ultimately bringing it to life, and you've become a real pro with that. So you did mention something earlier that we think about your beer fit, we think about your beer mile time, you're training for your first 100 miler. Before we talk about where you're spending your time in the event world, I gotta find out how somebody who is a four plus minute miler is going about a 100 mile training routine. Uh, A lot of humble pie. You know, it's, it's, it's very interesting because I kind of have had this love hate relationship with running. I think we probably all do. There's some people who just find it very meditative, can do it every day. And I'm either all on or I'm all off. And for a long period, I was off because I was injured and I didn't find a love of running. And I think it's because I was doing the same things. I was trying to run fast 5Ks. I was, you know, trying to see how fast I could still run at 800 meters at 28. Who cares? Right. It's not going to be competitive. But for me, I still want to see if I could break two. And it wasn't enjoyable anymore. And I found myself in a place where two years ago, I went and watched an old track teammate do his first Ironman. And he crossed the finish line. And my six-year-old at the time looked at me and said, dad, could you do an Ironman? And I was like, damn right I can. And immediately <laughs> was like, oh, I got to go do an Ironman. That's, that's the challenge. Like, I'm not going to let him down. Being laid down. And I didn't own a bike. I couldn't swim 50 meters across a pool. Seriously. I couldn't swim 50 meters without grabbing the side of the pool. And that was the the real thing of, I want to face failure. I want to see how I react because that's where only real growth comes from. And it was something that really scared me. And that's honestly what excited me was that I always knew I was going to cross the finish line. I always knew I was going to have a relatively good time. I never even run a marathon. The My first half marathon was in a half Ironman. My first marathon was in an Ironman. And that's not unique. There's a lot of people whose first marathon will be in an Ironman. But then I wanted to run a 345. I ran a 346, which isn't great. But at the end of an Ironman, I was proud of that. And I had big goals. And that led me to a place of I did an Ironman and I finished. And I was like, well, do I want to do another Ironman? You know, and for me, it was the only way it was going to make sense if I did it really competitively. And I love my family too much. I want to spend too much time with them. And that's not knocking anyone who's able to find that balance, but trying to grow a business and spend time with your family and then also dedicate the kind of time needed to do a sub 10, which may have been a goal. Um, just meant another hour and 20 minutes off my time. That didn't mean a lot to me. And I wanted to do something else that scared me. And it was, well, I always get injured when I run long distances. And I wonder if there's a way where I can find my way, my body to get there. And got connected with some guys through another event, which we'll talk about, which I produced with an unbelievable entrepreneur here, Jesse Itzler, who's my business partner. And these seven guys did this event that I produced and wanted to do something hard. And I threw out Leadville 
And we're all going to do the Leadville 100 mile trail run together next August. And so that's what I mean about enjoying the process and the journey. I look forward to these Saturday morning runs with these gentlemen who are all business owners and, and entrepreneurs here in Atlanta. And six of the eight had never even done a marathon before and signed up for a hundred mile ultra. And I think when you surround yourself around people who are constantly putting themselves in a position where they're challenging themselves, they don't know what the outcome is going to be. Uh, but they're just going to trust in a process and that there's going to be a benefit to the journey. It's unbelievably inspiring. I looked at my wife and I was like, I know I shouldn't do this, but I'm not missing out on this opportunity. I'm going to go run a hundred mile ultra. So that's really where it started. It's a long story, but it's really just been one of finding a love of endurance sport and the discipline it takes to get to the finish line and kind of what you learn about yourself when you go through a race like that, how much your, how much your body is capable of more so than your mind thinks is, is available to it. So it's been a fantastic process so far. Well, and I think that'll continue to be the case. And wow, is is that empowering to hear where you give yourself the freedom to suffer, even though we spend so much time, it seems like, trying to avoid it. You give yourself the permission to fail, but relish what you learn along the way and get better and then perhaps take another crack at it. And I don't believe for a second that you're not going to end up on the proper side of the finish line in Leadville, just knowing you the way I do. At the same time, the fact that you're just willing to go through the process and say, I'm going to do the best I can. And if that's not good enough on that day, I'm okay with that. I'm not going to let the fear of perhaps not succeeding stop me from getting started. I don't know how okay with it I'll be. <laughs> I'm not saying that you're. But no, look, look, it, look it, but I mean that's refreshing sure. to hear. I mean, look, you have to be really honest with 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 the facts that are the first biggest challenge is signing up. Then it's getting to the start line healthy, and then it's crossing the finish line. And if you keep things in that perspective of just take the first step and sign up, you can figure out everything else later. You know, my business partner constantly says, "Go now." You have to live life with urgency. If you if you think about too many excuses and reasons why, you'll talk yourself out of doing almost anything. So just sign up before you're ready. And that relates to business. That relates to asking a girl out on a date. That relates to so many things in your life. And so it's, it's yeah, I hear him. I hear him speak and say, okay, go now. Let's go now. And Leadville is, is this year's version of go now. Um, I truly believe I'll cross the finish line, but I also – have a healthy respect for the distance and the fact that I don't have any experience in it and the discipline it's going to take. Look, I just ran my 50K for my first 50K last weekend and it was, it was no joke, right? And so I think you have to realize these things don't come easy and that you have to respect the distance and the process, but that, yeah, if you do happen to fail, you're foolish if you didn't learn something along the way and you'll get another shot at it. It's not your only chance at doing something like this. Absolutely. And, and one of the things I had a conversation not long ago about the AJC Peachtree Road Race and the fact that it's the world's largest 10K. And would that continue to be a race that could count on 60 plus thousand people being at the start line every year, more than that signing up? And somebody said, will there always be that many people who want to sign up and do that race year in and year out? I said, I don't know that I can answer that question, but my biggest fear would be if the numbers grow of people who don't think they can do it. And for that reason, they elect not to sign up. So my goodness, if you get nothing out of this little exchange and you know someone who is right now not signing up, not doing something because they just don't think they can or they're too afraid to get started, please go back and listen to what Mark just said again. Send it to them and make a different decision and get 
started. All right, you mentioned some of the things that you and Jesse are working on right now. Let's talk about 29029, another brainchild that now is the real deal. It is out there for people to do. You're in year two. 29029. I'm going to give just a few seconds when everybody hears those numbers together. 29029. 29,029. Here is your three-second pause to think, what do those numbers mean? And that is long enough. I don't know if anybody heard the dog barking in the background, D2, <laughs> when we went to silence on that. That was not anticipated. That's not D2's editing magic to be able to pull that off. But now you've had enough time. For those of you who don't know what those numbers mean, strung together, what is it, Mark? So 29,029 feet is the vertical height of Everest. Uh, the highest mountain in the world. Uh, I think everyone knows of Mount Everest. And uh, we created an event around uh, gaining the vertical feet of Mount Everest within a weekend. And uh, it's just a fantastic concept to take something very simply, which is walking up a hill. It's not, it's not necessarily the hardest exercise, but it is an unbelievably hard exercise when the requirement to finish takes you 20, 22, 24 hours over a day to a day and a half. And so while it's not an ultra marathon, it's an ultra endurance event and it's one in which you dictate your pace and we ran a private mountain in Vermont. And what we did is we wanted to create really the, what in our opinion was the best endurance event on the planet and to take what Ironman does well and what Leadville does well and all these other parties do really well and bring them in together and say, okay, well, this one doesn't have a party and this one doesn't include accommodations and this one's aid stations aren't great. And let's, let's put it all together and put it in a package and charge people one price for all food, beverage, accommodations, but then give them something that is really approachable which is walking up and hiking a hill and taking a gondola down, but then facing that challenge repeatedly again and again and again and again and giving them plenty of time to finish. You know, in Ironman, you have 17 hours to finish. The average finisher finishes in about 15. Our event, you have 36 hours to finish. The average finisher finishes in about 22 to 24 hours. We had people finish our event that had never done a 5K before, but they were willing to hike up a mountain once and then realized, well, I can do it again. I can do it again. I can do it again. But if you told them it was going to take 24 hours, it never would have signed up. And so I think it would have did it kind of flipped the, the sport of endurance on its head because you weren't talking about known challenges, distance, or time. You were talking about vertical feet gain. And people don't have much of a perception of how hard it is to gain vertical feet. So we really want to own the lane of doing events around vertical feet, which is basically endurance hiking. It's walking up a hill. But when you combine that with components of really curated communities of 150 to 200 people, they're small events. There's a lot of time for bonding. As you walk up a hill, you have an opportunity to have a conversation with someone else, find out about their business, their work-life balance, whatever it may be. It's one hour of bonding with someone while going through an extreme endurance event. And then you take care of all the needs that normally you're stuck with dealing with on your own. We set up luxury TP tents. We do turn down service. We have massage therapy there. We have physical therapists with KT tape. We have unbelievably stocked aid stations, just like you know a big peach store or health food section. Um, all that's included in your price. And so I think that's the main thing is to say when an athlete got there, we want them to have the ability to focus on the people that are there and being around like-minded individuals and focusing on the challenge and not worrying about any other the noise that normally comes around with hassles of, of booking, whether it be a marathon or an Ironman or another big endurance event, it becomes hard to find lodging and what restaurants you're going to eat at. And a lot of these other things that become distractions, we wanted to make them a benefit of the weekend. Well, and, and we'll certainly put a link in our show notes, but the pictures 
are amazing. It shows not just the scale that you guys have taken and said, yes, this will be about vertical feet and will be about putting one foot in front of the other repeatedly so you ultimately conquer what you may have never thought possible. And for those of us who quite frankly have no interest in summiting the real Mount Everest, this seems like a much better alternative. But it's also where I believe you're bringing your experience of saying, we need to give people just a memory. We need to give people something that they will have with them perhaps for the rest of their life. So when we talk about turn down service or massage therapy being available after every trip back down on the gondola, this is real luxury. This is a real experience. Where does that, where does that part of an event make it more difficult compared to just saying, we got to get timing right, or we got to make sure that the race starts at 7.30 since that's what we published. How do you take all that in? Because you ask people to come with lofty, lofty, lofty expectations, and then you challenge yourself to exceed them in areas where many race directors aren't even thinking about it. Sure. Look, I mean, you, you take a lot in. You take food and beverage, you take accommodations, you, you, you take massage therapy, you take all these things that now people have an expectation to be delivered at a certain level. We have bands. So you have music, you have all of their requirements to deliver on, you have sound, uh, you have campfires, you have, you have so many things going on. But the most important part and why I think your listeners will care, it's about the challenge. And you need to deliver on making sure the challenge itself is right and it's doable. And if you're a CEO who's on 150 Delta flights a year, you can climb stairs in your hotel and get ready for this event in the same way that if you're training for a marathon, you can take your marathon training program and your aerobic fitness and turn that into something that's a 20-hour endurance event. You can also take a busy mom or dad who works from home or who doesn't work and takes care of the kids and take their stellar bodies routine or their CrossFit routine or Pilates or whatever they may be doing and turn them into an endurance athlete. And so that was the thing that was most empowering for me is, yeah, you want to balance all the components to make it a great weekend. And it's a lot to take on. And, and it's really an attention to detail. It's having a great team. It's having great partners who really want to create. When you set out to create the best event, that's a really lofty goal. And so you got to go out and do a whole host of other events and see what they do really well. And there's partners out there and players out there that do a fantastic job. But you want to pull all those in together. And to be able to deliver off of that, I think you have to have a real passion for what you're doing. And you have to put the customer first. And you've got to think about in each aspect it may not make financial sense this year, but it'll play off in the long term. And if we can deliver on our promise that this will be a life resume building weekend for you and that you will be around like-minded people, those are things you can't really put a price on. Look, crossing the finish line in Ironman and having my oldest son put a medal around my neck was a very special moment in my life. But I didn't know anyone else in the Ironman. I didn't connect with them or go for beers afterwards. When you climb and go through an event like 29029, you're at a campfire listening to wonderful music. And it's not about luxury. It's about just being comfortable. At the end of the day, you're sleeping in a tent. Yeah, it's got a mattress and sheets, but it's not a Four Seasons mattress. You know, It's about being comfortable and being in a position where all of those headaches and distractions that take away from your time with other athletes, here you get to share in the moment. And it's getting to enjoy that moment with others that you have a more immediate kinship and bond with that has never existed in any other event I've been a part of. And I think that you'll find those in really small group gatherings, trail running communities and others. But to do it at an event at scale that pulls people from all over the country together for for a common challenge uh, of of climbing Everest, um, 
that's what really made an impact on me was seeing the bonds that people made and the relationships that were built through a challenge. And then after the challenge by sharing a beer at a campfire or listening to a speech together or different other things that are part of our weekend. Well, I'm so glad you talk about those things. I think there are people who, whether they're training for their first 5K or doing something that might be more miles or take more time, they have people in their life that don't understand it. They don't get it. They're like, how special can it be? What they don't realize are those moments, those snapshots you just gave us that really make it for those of us who are hooked. We're committed. We do it week in and week out, and we don't know what the next thing is, but we know there will be a next, and it's not because we need another finish line. It's not because we need another medal to put in some closet. It's because of those special moments that you just unpacked for us that we don't know what they're going to look like, but we know those feelings that come with them when they happen, and we can't get enough of them. Look, I think you, you put that more, much more succinctly and better than I would. But, you know, the one thing that I would add is that when I have people say, well, why should I do this event? And I'll say, look, I had to go through eight months of Ironman training to in one workout face a point where I didn't know if I could push another step or not. It took a long time to get there. And that's not bragging and saying I'm some amazing athlete, but it took me a very, very, very long time on an unbelievably hot training day to get it to a place where I really wanted to quit and had to find out if I could go or not. I don't know that a lot of people get there. Right, Running a marathon, 98% of people at total line in a marathon finish. They face the wall, but they push through it because the end goal is greater than the hurt that they're going through. But do they really ever contemplate stopping? This event is such a mental challenge in the fact that every time you take a gondola down, you're at the base. You don't have to go up again. You're, you're on a marathon course and you stop. You still got to walk to the finish line somehow or turn around. It's not very easy to stop. They don't make it very easy for you to just bow out of a race. This race is constantly presenting you with a challenge of an hour hard hike up a hill, a 10 or 15 minute rest down, and do I want to go again? And once you take that first step, you're facing failure and coming through it. No matter what athlete level of athlete you are, you will face a point in our challenge where you're going to learn something about yourself. And look, we had a world, the world record holder in the seven summits. He summited the highest mountain in all seven continents and went self-supported to the North and South Pole. And that took him 138 days. Our challenge took him 15 hours straight through. That's not a short time period. Fifth, he's, he was a, he's a sub 8-hour and 30-minute Ironman. So a professional triathlete. This event took him almost twice as long as an Ironman takes him. But it's still just as doable for someone that had never done a 5K. And it's weird to find an event where you can toe the line like that. And if your mental capacity is greater than the hurt your body is feeling, the supposed hurt your body is feeling, you can really break through barriers. And I think that's what was so enlightening for us about doing this challenge where you couldn't look at people's athletic histories, their training regimen, or their body style or BMI index, or whatever it is, and determine who was going to finish or not. It was who had the mental capacity to want to keep, push, keep pushing and get to the number 17. It takes 17 summits to get to the end. So that, to me, was the most gratifying part of the event, where the surprises and the gains people had through this event that I think so few other events will allow you to get to that point because they're too intimidating. Everyone in level is going to get there, but how many people are going to be dumb enough like I am or you have been <laughs> to sign up for a hundred mile at altitude? Few people are. I think this event is much more approachable, but it'll still get you to that same place where you're going to have to really decide, is it worth it to finish or not? Because you're going to have so many opportunities to bow out. And certainly a lot of special moments along the way. And I, I know there are a lot of people who are listening who are like, Mark's a motivating dude. I'm in. I can't wait to get the link. I want to learn more. Sign me up. Now, there's this other part that would not be fair to just send into everyone's inbox through the show notes and then not talk about it on the air. It allows me to 
define something that isn't the dictionary way of saying this is what the definition is, but I think it sets me up to do it in a way that you'll be comfortable with, but let's find out. The cost of this event. There are some people who, you already mentioned, everybody in here is an Iron Man. There are events with rock and roll. You mentioned music. There are other events that are big city marathons that are not inexpensive, but this kind of trumps those. Give us the ticket price so it's not a surprise when people go to the link. Sure. Yeah. So uh, our event is is $3,950 a person all inclusive. And and $4,000 is a lot of money for an event for a weekend for a life resume building experience. I'm not going to sit here and try to tell anyone it's not a large amount of money. It's not a small amount of money at all. But I think the misnomer that that an Ironman ticket is $800 is all it costs you is completely false. Sure. You have to buy a bike. Most people need access to a pool. You need to probably hire a coach and get a training program. You got to buy a wetsuit. You got to buy hotel rooms when you're there and food when you're there. And Ironman requires you to be on site for four days because of packet pickup. You start adding all those things up. My Ironman, I'm embarrassed to say, cost me over $8,000. That's double the price of a weekend of 29029 where you pay once. You can pay in installment plans. You didn't do any other way. You're one of 200 people. If you do 29029, you're part of a community, you're getting access to really inspiring and amazing people. Uh, so that's a huge differentiator for me. And it's a fact that we wanted to be real fun around the pricing. We want to be able to provide everything to you that we think you need. And if there's something that you want or need that we don't have, we'll provide it. And so we've priced it in a way where we don't rely on a sponsor to provide certain beverages or certain food items. We want to make sure any single thing we think you need that could get you to succeed in the event you have, and we don't cut corners. And so that price allows us to do that, but also allows us to set an expectation of the way we're going to deliver things. We don't have anything for sale. I think last year, everyone got nine swag items. Anything we think you could want to buy, we give to you, and they're the highest quality. Um, so, you know, it's not for me to try to sit here and justify to someone that if you want to go run a marathon that's $180, that, 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 isn't, that, that isn't a cheaper event. But it's surprising to me in some respects to see how much value people found out of our event. And actually having them live through the event, I see why there's a lot of value because you're getting access to a community that few will get at significantly lesser price than an Ironman would typically cost you if it's your first time Ironman. Look, you're able to amortize some of those costs sure. as you go. But, but yeah, to be upfront about it, and I think that, that that is important. We wanted to differentiate ourselves. We don't want to exclude anyone. Uh, we had a police detective. We had a fireman do our event last year. Um, we have people from all different walks of life and all different pro- professions who want to invest in life experiences. And that's what we want to provide is something that is literally a life resume building moment. And it's an investment in yourself that we believe will will benefit you in all other aspects of your life. Well, and without you knowing the definition I wanted to just kind of tap into for a few seconds, you mentioned two of the terms. You mentioned value, which is what I'm going to quickly define by the terms that I believe our business live by, lives by. And then you also mentioned experience. I think there are so many people out there and maybe some of you as listeners will be like, man, that offends me or that is me. Or maybe if, if this means something to you, you'll say, well, that was me. And value is not the cheapest price. It is not value and we could pick on certain retailers, we could pick on certain businesses or products. Value in my opinion is price relative to experience. And it can be incredibly expensive if you just look at the price tag, but it could be of unimaginable value if what you paid for and the experience you received, to me, that is what you're doing with 29029-29029 is off the charts relative to the experience. Yes, it could take somebody's breath away when they see the link and be like, wow, that's a, re- that's a real price tag. 
But I believe you would say the value is there. Don't you worry. We wouldn't have 50% of competitors coming back from last year if it wasn't, right? And I think that that's, that's a real testament to just how impactful this event was. You had people give away a lot of money and a lot of their time away from family, uh, away from work, whatever it may be, to come and do an event like this and have them return. And by the way, it's a grueling endurance challenge. To have them come back so easily back into the event shows that we did deliver on that value promise. And, and it's something that you know Jesse and I take very, very, very seriously because when someone gives you their hard-earned money, you better deliver on every one of those aspects. And that's why even though last year was such a great success, there's a lot of areas we want to improve upon because we want to make sure you're getting the most value for your money and that you get the best experience possible when you do invest in an event like this. Well, and, and I, I'm a big believer in, in what you guys are doing. There's nothing that Big Peach Running Company gets, whether somebody signs up after listening to this or not. We're not involved. We're not an official partner by any stretch. We just believe so much in experience and value and in over-delivering, and obviously that is your intent. So very quickly before we let you go, Mark, give us a little bit of a peek into the future, whether it's for you individually, whether it's for you and, and your partners as you look at the event landscape, or whether it's just the industry in general. You've been around active events and production for people who want to get the most out of their fitness routine for a long time. What do you see yourself? What do you see you and your partners? And what do you see the industry doing over the next few months or few years? Sure. Uh, thanks for that. Look, as, as we look at 29 and 29 and what we're going to do next, I think the, the big key here is it's not a race. And I didn't mention that before. It's binary. You either finish or you don't. And that it's a very intimate experience that's you versus you is a very, very powerful thing. And we truly believe that people can be ex transformed through extreme physical events. And that this is an event where we really believe people can be transformed and have a new outlook on life, life when they come out of it. And so I hope to continue to produce events that are of, of this level of caliber that allow people to, to get out of their comfort zone and try something they otherwise wouldn't and to maybe graduate from another event. You know, you, you run a marathon, you do a triathlon. A lot of people have exercise ADD like I do. This is a new style event of vertical climbing, but it's a weekend. And what I think people need more of is to put down their damn device quit worry about being on Twitter. I hope they're listening on a device to this <laughs> podcast, but it, it's important to get unplugged and to, to get away. And that the, the whole focus on this weekend, we say it's burning man meets iron man, right? It's getting people away and being part of a community for a weekend and actually interacting and talking. Why do we have campfires? Because they're so conducive to talking around a campfire. It's experience other humans and being around them. And I think you have so much more. And I know you have so much more to share with them when you've gone through a really hard physical challenge because it immediately bonds people together. So we want to continue to create more of these weekend experiences where every last pit is taken care of. And it's not to be the four seasons of, of racing. It's not to, 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 to be white glove service everywhere. It's to just remove those other headaches and do it at a level where you know you're going to get a tremendous benefit from the other people who are there and from the amount of care and attention to detail that we're going to put into the event to maximize your weekend and make sure that it's something that when you look back on 2017 or you look back on 2018, this is a seminal moment of your year. It's not just another race that you ran. This was a place which you would look back on and say, I saw true growth there. I, I really developed more as a person and I met some amazing people that I'll have a connection with the rest of my life. That's awesome. Mark, you are a big thinker. You are a fun guy to be around and you are a friend to the active community. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We will be right back after this brief message. Thank you for being part 
of the fun in the Run ATL podcast. Do you hear that? The trails are calling and you must go. You're invited to join the Big Peach Running Company crew for an all-inclusive weekend getaway in Blue Ridge, Georgia. Experience two days of trail running in the beautiful North Georgia mountains. Not a runner? That's okay. Hikers and outdoor enthusiasts are also welcome. Experience a relaxing weekend full of trails, award-winning food, and luxurious accommodations. Start the weekend off enjoying a few craft brews at Fannin Brewing. After a day on the trails, we'll recover at Serenberry Vineyards where you'll be able to sample some of Georgia's finest wines. We'll finish off the evening at Charlie Creek Farms with some barbecue and drinks under the stars. Don't miss out on an incredible trailcation you won't soon forget. Come on out, enjoy the trails, we'll take care of the rest. Visit BigPeachRunningCode.com to sign up. Welcome back to the Run ATL podcast. As we come down this home stretch, I have this huge smile on my face because of that conversation with Mark and D2. That took us places that we would have never gone if we were just not as committed as we are to finding information that does encourage us, obviously gives us the empowerment we need to say, yes, this is why we live the lifestyle that we do because things like that just make it better. It makes our life better. It makes our relationships better. And it certainly makes the stories we tell better. What did you think of that? Well, for me, I mean, and I can kind of relate to what a little bit to what Mark was saying, although not in the same kind of capacity because I never competed at the level. But when he said that, you know, he's, you know, how long can he continue to push the same distance or try to see how fast he can be? For me, because I'm older, you know, I know I'm not going to get any faster, you know, and things are starting to ache a little bit, you know, more so than, than they did a couple of years ago. So to do something different, to get that experience all of a sudden means more to me than chasing that PR. So whether it's a destination race or a different environment or checking out a different course, to me, that's becoming a little bit more uh, important to me than, you know, getting faster. I agree, and, and, and I hope it came through the sense of camaraderie that exists at that event and should exist, quite frankly, at any event that we register for. I hope that it came through that the real magic oftentimes is in the journey, not necessarily in the metal that you take with you or that you've earned. That's super cool, but the journey, my goodness, sometimes is far more important to the impact it has on our lives and the lives of others than what the destination does. And I also, D2, could not help but think about Big Peach Spring Break as Mark was detailing the level of accommodation, certainly the all-inclusive experience that is 290, 29,029 has figured it out in terms of saying, we're going to bring it all to you. You don't have any details to manage other than getting up the mountain 17 different times. We've kind of done the same thing with Big Peach Spring Break. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and we've talked about it for a while because you and I would go on these trails and, and kind of say, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we had and we could share this experience with others, you know? And so that was kind of like the genesis to, you know, Big Peach Spring Break was 
once again, trying to provide that experience to others that maybe would uh, never considered coming up to Blue Ridge to run these trails and to uh, experience, you know, the beauty that's up there, the terrain, but also the camaraderie that comes afterwards. That's it. That's the special part. And outside of registering, the work is done at that point. We take care of the rest, as it rightfully says. And I just... I just listened to Mark and it was so interesting for me to think, yes, that's right. Whether the price is $3,000 plus as is that ticket or ours, which is not inexpensive at $500-ish, depending on when you sign up. And we will have a increase as we get closer to the date because it makes things harder for all of the planning that we do, but for $500-ish, we recognize that's more expensive than coming to Big Peach Running Company and buying a pair of shoes or registering for a 5K that's this upcoming weekend. But I got on my soapbox a little bit, not thinking about Mark's event specifically or even Big Peach Spring Break, about the definition of value. And my goodness, the value with Big Peach Spring Break, it would cost you almost two times for the lodging alone in Blue Ridge. That doesn't include the guiding services that, let's be honest, you and I know those trails. My family and I live there. These are places nobody's going to get lost. And quite frankly, you would not see if you were not with our crew. You think about some of the things that are included, the food, the beverages, the prizes, the treats, the goodie bag. I don't want to get on my soapbox about value again, D2. I've done it once. I am going to cut myself off. But if there is a better value for your recreational dollar than what Big Peach Spring Break is, somebody send me the link because I don't believe it right now. Well, I mean, I think I think these type of events, the you know, that are experiential, are just going to increase, and we're going to see more and more of them. I think you know what Mark's doing, and I think what we're doing with with uh, Big Peach Spring Break. This is just the beginning. I agree with it. Adventure travel is hugely popular in Europe right now. So many things, I suppose, start in North America, make its way to Europe. And then on the flip side, as we know, there are a lot of cool things that started in Europe and somehow have been adopted by us as Americans. I believe this, to your point, is one of those things where adventure travel is going to be a big deal in the United States. We're on the forefront. You should be as well. Make sure you register for Big Peach Spring Break today. But we have to Say goodbye for now. Goodness gracious, it will not be for long. In just two weeks, we'll be right back with you. We look forward to that already. In the meantime, as D2 said at the onset, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate all of you. We appreciate you for sharing, and we appreciate for you allowing us to have this much fun. As we always say, and certainly as we mean, in the meantime, may your best miles be those covered on foot.